idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is not Leo Zagami, it's Keats Ross. He's the host of the Prag Magic podcast. I posted a show he did last week with Nish on our channel. Hopefully everyone got to listen to that. It's kind of a swap now, a swap cast. Keats, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks guys. I'll be your Leo Zagami if you want me to be. Yeah, really appreciate you uh, <laughs> taking the initiative there and backing up there. Oh man. Crazy yeah, shit. Yeah, that was that was a good hustle. I'll tell you that much. What what is so great is that Keith and I were talking uh because we've become friends. Uh behind the scenes we're texting back and forth and he texting texting texting. And it was like has Jerry booked you yet cuz I know you guys had talked about it and so presto Keith's is on. Shazam. Right. I will be done. <laughs> our will somehow we we just we just i think it was our power keeps that pushed leo to the side you know yeah the power of discord the scrying of discord <laughs> right. well after after the my appearance on scrying. your show yeah we, exactly we have some power apparently <laughs> hey we you know like our conversation was you know uh it was beautiful i absolutely adored it the reception i've been getting about it is a lot less adversarial than I think we both thought it might be. Yeah, and, good. Uh, I've gotten nothing but but compliments, and people love you, Nish. You're you're a star. I have gotten all good feedback, but it's from people that love me, and I love in return. So, but I yeah. did get, as I posted on Twitter, I got blocked by a couple people, which is hilarious. I saw that, and like you, you shared that with me. I'm not two verse and i'm just gonna go make a sandwich while you guys talk there you go (laughs) sorry Sorry, jerry Jerry. (laughs) i think we'll get to you too i'm sure no but just to touch on that i'm I'm not too familiar with this whole shadow blocking twitter passive aggressive bullshit honestly and uh you were sharing that with me and i was like who is this person (laughs) oh it's a sock account it's It's, another account with a faceless person well, I uh, I texted or not texted, uh, messaged Jerry after we talked, and was like, "Hey, you're next, motherfucker." And then I had to like give a little caveat, like I didn't mean that. Threatening, just I'd like to have you on my show. Leaving, leaving me all with a semi and shit. Yeah. Right, and Jerry, if anyone can get people butt sore, Jerry can do it. Oh, yeah. Jerry, just don't and- talk about space. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I'm just kidding. No, it's a joke, Jerry. Oh, okay. Okay. We talked on to, we note. talked to uh it just came out today. We talked to Marty Leeds last night on Cruising with Steak. Oh shit, really? Yeah. It was I great, can't wait for this. It's out it came out today. It's yeah. episode check this out. It turned out to be episode one, two, three. Oh Funny. my god. <laughs> sent me the link, so I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm but definitely stoked. We talk, I'll take we, that we, cosmic trigger and run with it. We talked about Yeah. No, I mean, I, I enjoy it. It's just funny. It seems always to be like such a, you know, a, a divisive thing. Oh, it triggers people. Big. I love it. Yeah. It triggers people. Well, it just seems like about everything does these days. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. one way or another, you know, people that think they do not get triggered and then somehow. <laughs> get triggered. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it's a precarious place to be. You know, I really wonder uh, just from my bouts with, you know, trauma and all this shit and P- like, you know, there's PTSD within it. I wonder how much of it is actually valid and how much of it isn't. And I'm not the soothsayer to say either way. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just such a precarious place to be when people get upset. You know, you know a lot you, of me is just like, oh, fuck off. Who cares? You know and then the other part of me is like, oh, man, I'm one bad. Just, you know, go down the street and you, or whatever. Whoever's talking about, like, say, Trump, like he's, right. what, he's bad, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. blah. Or, if you if you encounter orange man bad talk, just counter it with he's not that bad and see what kind of reaction you get. <laughs> if you, you don't get, get, <laughs> get killed out here, Cheeto hombre malo, Maranja. Maranja. Yeah, there you go. When I say I'm, that's the word for orange. It is I'm a word for orange. I know. Side people get triggered by that. Oh, if you're not batting on either side, then you shouldn't have an opinion. Right. Well, you're you're a Nazi. Oh my God. So this comes up a lot with you know what I've been talking about, especially within the culture. This uh, like the term fence sitting, just because you know there's an agnosticism with what your views are or your bipolarity. It's not about fucking right or left. It's not about black and white. There's no dichotomy. There's a huge gray, and people hate that. Yes. I know. It's like you're invalid if you're observing. Right. If you're in observance, you're somehow invalid. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's invalidating, too, because... I know. Well, you know, Keats, you know me, whatever. Right. Flip the hair, flip yeah, the finger. That's right, and swish my big ass down the street. <laughs> so on that note, let's jump into some Knoxman some day. So here's our here's our little thing. Keats has uh, is back this week, and so he's had a wonderful whiskey. So we have him all relaxed, and this is going to be good. <laughs> Best therapy session I think I could ever think of. Absolutely. Let's jump right in. So give us the background, Keats. What? What inspired you, as far back as you can recall, what things stick out in pop culture, uh, of course, dreams, this whole show is really about dreams, but pop culture and the foundational rocks that kind of built the house you live in now, metaphorically. Yeah, well, forgive me if I meander. That's a really big uh, question because... I had the pleasure and the displeasure. I'm like from a contradictory nature where I was from an already broken home. Like my parents, of course, when I was three, they moved to one to California, one to Arizona. And I stayed with my mother in Arizona, which was very uptight, very Catholic, um, very brutal. And it was in the barrios of New Mexico and Arizona where I was there. And I'd visit my father. And he lived on a compound with Marilyn Ferguson, who wrote The Aquarian Conspiracy, um, interviewed, you know, uh, Robin Anton Wilson. I actually posted that interview in Pragmagic. And uh, I bounced on Timothy Leary's knee, you know. So, like, there's this huge contradiction about my life. And I think it's always been about finding that gentle medium between 
Um, so my earliest memories, I remember like very vividly asking my father what the soul was. I think I was like five years old. Try to take a breath. My back is killing me. Um, but he said to me, you know, he equated it to uh, driving a vehicle, right? He called the body a vehicle, and it just kind of jumps passengers. And that just set me off. And then I took that information, and I called my Orthodox priest uncle on my mother's side and asked him what God was. And he told me God was whatever made you feel safe, which I thought was so fucking profound, even as a kid. You know, after, you know, the fire and brimstone of Catholic Church and whatnot, like just this kind of, uh, I don't know, this uh, very intrinsic kind of idea about what spirituality, is, you know. And so it really got me reeling in this contradictory that there isn't such a contradiction that, you know, these two very disparate ideas about individuality, about collectivism, about religiosity about spiritual paths they all share some very unique traits and i think to me that was always the most fascinating part as a kid because i went on to live with my father in a jewish household so my childhood itself was a contradiction between catholicism and judaism and so it just kind of it's always instilled in me this agnosticism this this uh bewilderment with certain you know i think that's yeah that's kind of the basis of where i'm from i i love i love this backstory and i knew i knew some of it and uh, i find it and knowing you in person and having spent a lot of time talking and interacting with you i see how this has created who you are today which is you know landed you as i've told you in this spot of favorite people for me uh it, there's something there is something about that pressure coming from both sides that created something new and very conscious there's something about you also that that comes in very present when when one's in your in your presence <laughs> so uh yeah that's all it that's so great so when we when we're still talking about young keats did you watch anything that was anything on tv interesting to you books pop culture stuff oh god yeah yeah absolutely uh in a funny anecdotal way uh young keats would have been young travis um that's my first name but i took keats because that's my middle name that's my mother's maiden and then so Keats Ross is my father's surname. So to me, that was like the perfect fit. Yeah, it's great. That, it sounds that. great. You know, but Travis is, it would have been young Travis. And it would have been young Travis in the Southwest, which everybody's creepy uncles named Travis. So <laughs> People named you Travis know. tend to get abducted a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like i was i was raised i was a latchkey kid i was raised by television and pop culture uh you know i would steal from the local pawn shop records and stuff when i was a kid read the liner notes search out the bands of the records that i stole that they thanked or liked you know it was a very alienated thing uh 
when it came to my identity as um, an artist aesthetically or whatever, you know. Um, forgive me if I say you know a lot. That's a problem. But I, uh, I was I was raised by television. I had a firm love for film, especially at joining all the artistic mediums, uh, storytelling, visually, scores. You know, film was a huge thing for me, and still is as a kid. And so, but I was also uh, stealing books from the local book fair, and they were all paranormal or um you know scary stories to tell in the dark um you know they were all this very like folkloric based interest and just mythology and storytelling and that's what really got me when i was a kid did you were you superstitious so you mentioned the agnostic stuff and um which makes total sense with the two households you were coming in between, you know, bouncing between. Right. But did you find your own personal superstitions creeping in along the way? You know, it's funny. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, the one thing I was really present for, uh, between, you know, a Jewish household and a Catholic household was this kind of unity in these, what would otherwise be concerned as, you know, kind of uh, rudimentary kind of superstitions, right? You know, no hats on beds, uh, you know, no walking under stairs, black cats, that sort of thing. But I always had this inkling that it was the adverse, like that was the key. It's white cats you should be afraid of. Fucking walk under every stair you see, you know? (laughs) So I think that's what bred that into me, was sharing those two different uh you know um very religious 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 aspects and kind of breaking them down to do the adverse because i could see the middle that makes sense oh yeah total sense to me that what is the hats on the bed thing i'm not familiar with it uh, i brought that up because that's an old drugstore cowboy thing uh Ooh. damn Gus yeah. Van Sant. yeah that was yeah, um, yeah. matt dillon's uh, phobia and see, and that's a lot of it too. You know, my my superstitions came from film, a lot of the time <laughs> yes, that's, when I was a kid. Yeah, that's perfect. Did yeah. you? Okay, so in this in this little uh, time slot, the time bubble that's pushing away from us of young Travis, w- give us some names of of things you watched. So, like cartoons or. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff that we're on the regular. Sure. So I have been and always have been a huge uh, comic book fan. And uh, I remember on Marilyn Ferguson's compound when I was visiting my father, Pat Perrin and Wim Coleman were these two uh, metaphysical anthropologists. I didn't know that at the time. But they knew my love of, you know, superheroes and stuff when I was super little. And they took me to the grocery store and they said, give me all of your favorite comic books and put them in a pile and tell me why. And it really came down. That's like when I realized that they were looking for this threadbare of, uh, you know, this new American mythology or this. And that's really what it came from. I was just in love with myth and, and story. And so comic books was always a huge part. Of course, like I said, film. 
and music to a degree. There's a huge, huge part of me that is hard to separate the artist from the artistry when it comes to music because I love just the folklore and the idea of these living things creating this stuff. So I was always very into biographies and uh, documentaries about artists and filmmakers and musicians. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that all shows now too. And of course, you're a wonderful musician, uh, which I hope to work with personally. So, all right, in this period, did you, what was your dream life like? So, yeah, um, my dream life. So, this, I've never really spoken about this publicly, but I really had kind of two settings, which now talking with you guys, I understand that's probably intrinsic to the contradictory thing where I had for a long time, I couldn't dream of faces. Like I couldn't see faces in dreams. I would just kind of intrinsically know who I was dealing with or the amalgamation of who I was dealing with, but it was never personable. That makes sense. It was never like, uh, you know, you did this in my dream. It was always like, this facsimile, to use your word, in my dream, did this, you know? And or, so or I the... always had this detachment from uh, it bleeding into the real life. It wasn't until I was a lot older that I realized, you know, what that might mean, if anything. And then the other avenue was I had this reoccurring dream from, I think, like, four to seven, where, oh, man. This one, it still haunts me. And it's not even particularly interesting. But I, I knew I was in some sort of uh, safari-esque type, you know, jungle expedition thing. And I knew that because, you know, I was wearing the silly hat and the, and the beige clothes, you know. And there was this huge, long shrub. And I was so interested to find the end of that shrub. So I started walking and then I heard some sounds on the other side and I could see orange on the other side it just made me so excited to see what was at the end of this shrub and once I got to the end of the shrub the giant tiger fucking mauls me <laughs> and I'd wake up every time and this was like an insane reoccurring dream and it was usually uh when I was in Arizona or you know with my mother that's interesting that it was usually when you were with your mother. Yeah. Did you so on that note, did did you have a preference of who you lived with at the time? You know, um no, uh you know my mother was my best friend when I was very little, she's like the most honest representation of what I had as family because my father was out doing his own thing. I never saw them in the same place until I was like 14. Um, so, but I watched her kind of, her interests sway. She was young. They were both young when they had me. So I kind of watched her change uh, into something that didn't, I didn't necessarily agree with, or we just didn't have the same intention with life, if that makes sense. So I kind of lost her after a while we're we're okay now but very um minimal i would say but my father was always 
I was always so interested. You know, if you can imagine, like spending a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of times a year, if even uh, in this amazing compound with all these brilliant thinkers, and I'm listening to jams, people playing music. Uh, you know, I didn't know it at the time how important some of these people were, but I could feel it, and it was so inviting and enthralling and then i go back to the desert you know <laughs> and like and watch this kind of deterioration of 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 a homestead and so yeah what was the question <laughs> yeah well you you actually answered you kind of actually roundabout answered it and it's just more similar it's this strange weird similarities between us i agree and your dad your dad's setup sounds fascinating and of course he's a fascinating dude he still yeah. is yeah. yeah he does that sounds like a uh a great experience and i certainly relate with the latchkey thing too I'm so, it was so funny for you to say that because i haven't heard it i've i've said it once but it's just feels so 70s right yeah <laughs> well, it, was, it was very uh very literal you know my mother and my stepfather yeah. at the time both had to work i had to take care of my little sister i had to walk her home from school you know. So, well, that gets me to the next question. Are you the only sibling? So I have a sibling on my mother's side, which is my sister, who I spent most of my time with. And then my father's side, I have a younger brother and another younger brother. So I'm the oldest of all of them, but I'm still kind of alien, I think, yeah. to both families. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And the reason why I ask all these questions at the beginning is, as people who follow this blog know, is just to get that foundation for the people. There are a lot of times, you know, people don't know these things, these small details. And then as we move forward in, you know, deeper into dreams, this stuff has, this is the rooting ground. This is where the symbols come from. And so it, it's important information for those that are willing to share. So I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, okay, so you had this dream. You already had this reoccurring one with the tiger, which is wild. And interesting that it was mostly with your mother. Yeah, and I don't know if it relates, but I'm the year of the tiger. I don't, I don't know if that relates, but it's a coincidence. Yeah, exactly. The year of the tiger. There you when go. You, Jerry, we need a synchro bell. <laughs> Like James Cruz hat. I have one in the garage somewhere, like a real desk bell. We need one, Jerry. I gotta find. I'll look for it. Yeah, I mean, in this line of work, it's like how how are you not a conductor of coincidence? Sometimes I know we totally the the if you want to call them synchros or whatever. This week and the last week and a half have just been off the chart. Yeah. Yep. Look at we all yad there. I bet people in chat too. It's cosmic rays. What's been going on with you, Jerry? Uh, nothing. Just, just like last week's show, we, we had people would ask a question in chat, and Niche would just ask a question. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that kind of shit. I did that with uh, Suzanne today, too, where she, she brought me. that up yeah. with the chat. Mm-hmm. This is the real deal. I'm not, I don't look at the chat. So. And then last week, we were doing a Zoom, just the not a live stream or anything we were just hanging out and we're like where where is this one guy been we haven't seen him in a while and boom he shows up in discord 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. Thought him into existence. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And where's James? James joins the Zoom. Like, holy <laughs> fuck. Well, this tonight, too, with like, when are you booked? You know? Well, I almost, <laughs> see, I almost DM'd him. But it was so short notice, I decided not to. And I was already on the case. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate the invite. I honestly okay, like, so... talk about Synchro. Like, yeah, this, yeah. this past it's... week has just been, yeah. I mean, fucking insane. Uh... Well, speaking of that, Keats, has, have you... So, just kind of skipping forward a lot, and we'll, get, we'll wind back, but have, with all these Synchros and with you moving and then hurting your back and all this, has any of this shown up in your dreams? Oh, yeah, um, a little bit. Um, I've had some stress dreams since, uh, but I was kind of on cloud nine. I think that's when they knock you down, right? I was, uh, before all this shit happened, like when my back went out, I was literally loading amps to go play a farewell show here in Portland and got locked up and was in the worst pain I've ever felt. And like, we couldn't go to the show. We couldn't do this thing. So we had to text everybody like, hey, we're not showing up. Like, Eats is on the floor, like, screaming in pain because something bad happened, you know? And we we were supposed to, after this show, you know, this has been building up for a month or so, we were supposed to uh, move to Colorado. So it's been a month of moving and boxing and packing and clearing out storage spaces, clearing out rehearsal spaces, moving amps, blah, blah, blah. And just that last amp into that van knocked me out i was done but the funny synchro thing about that is that the show i had set up uh for my good friend's jail weddings uh, gabriel hart i've had him on the podcast a couple of times great great musician great writer he uh you know we were having hurdle after hurdle it was almost like something didn't want for this show to go on and I think it was me. I think I was the, like, against all odds, we got this show after two cancellations, after, like, two overbookings. So not our fault. And then the last minute, something took me out. And it was like, okay, maybe the whole point was that I shouldn't be playing this show. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my synchronistic week with that. Yeah, that's enough. I follow them now. Like, uh, they, they back in the day before I was calling things synchronistic, I was like 17 and uh, my cousin was 21 and he had this series of events that led to his death. And, uh, and now I see them, of course, as synchronistic universe. You know, he had, he had like one accident. Oh, hello. She'll be back. Well, yeah, what she was talking about reminds me of the doppelganger idea. And and then something else, and then on his... Hello? Yeah, yep. your internet's gone. Did I go dead? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right when Am you I were back? talking about death. Synchronistic. Where did it drop me? I don't know. You, you were talking about your cousin. Um, who had a lot of synchronistic events. Okay, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and so it was just one after another. Like he broke his leg, then he scalped himself on the fence, literally scalped himself. And uh, then like another one, and then he died. You know, it was like this this lead up. And now I recognize all the synchronicities that you should pay attention to. Right. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, and and, and ironically, in the first, I saw him, I, I knew he was dead. He came to me before I knew he was dead. So he had must have just passed because the the news got around very fast, and my my mom called me shortly, and it was this cage coming out of the ground, like iron bars, like an old school Texas jail cage, all iron all the way around, and in it was this beaming, like almost. And, you know, you would think, I think New Agers would think, you know, our heavy Christians, like, this was an angel. Because the light was just beaming through all the bars. And it was, like, golden, beautiful light. But I saw his face in the middle of it. And uh, and it was coming up like an elevator out of the ground. And when I saw his face, I knew, you know, at 17, I was like, oh, wow, that's John and John is dead. And half an hour later, I get the phone call. You know, so it was like, but the idea that synchronistically, I should have seen that for six months coming. Now I would, now I would say to a friend or someone, maybe you should step back and look at what's going on. And, you know, possibly these incidents are getting worse. And uh, I think that they're warning signs to people, you know, like that. And so the fact that you had this kind of set of synchronicities is like, you know, maybe the show wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. And, you know, hindsight is, you know, whatever. I'm not going to do the cliche, but you know what I mean? Like, it's it's easy to like put the- Hindsight is next year. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. That's forward thinking. But that is forward thinking. Hey, that's like two programs. (laughs) So, but I love, I love how we've come to, things like that especially collectively that's now in the collective more people think like right put are starting to put these occurrences together and even the term synchronicity well been around long time you really brought that in wait yeah that's who i always think of yeah i mean it's kind of his baby but it's one i can't remember that just put a name to it yeah so anyway, back to you. And so you said you were having stress dreams during this period, though. Do you have any examples? Well, uh, after uh, after it happened, um, you know, it's it's volatile. It's a volatile situation, having been kind of kaput after so much momentum has increased. You know, so I don't look at my stress dreams as so much like foreboding. It's more of just kind of a. Uh, a status quo of where my mind is if that makes sense and like i had a dream last night where i was in this the middle of this kentucky derby and i was standing in the middle but i couldn't walk and it was like just a, a snippet of it but in my mind i realized like i'm a big lucid dreamer in my mind i realized how funny it was that like oh of course yeah yeah go on Zoom around me. You know I can't move. Which one of you is gonna hit me? You know. <laughs> so I've always had like this 
ability to kind of find the humor in it if I can connect it, if I can. And a lot of times it's accidental, you know. But that's a good example, though. And I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, you know, I've always dreamt there's a lot of constructs within my dreams that are completely wild, but I've always been able to discern them in certain ways or kind of understand what my subconscious is saying at that time. Not for the benefit of anything, really, just more of like a reflection, you know. When, so when along the path of your life did you start lucid dreaming? Do you remember the first time? Yes, uh, I remember it clearly. I was living in Oakland at the time, um, and I was taking a nap, and the sun was glaring through my window, and it was also the first time I ever flew in my dream. I must have been. 21, 22. And I remember being very present of like riding the waves of light that were coming through my window and following them. And I remember there was a part where like if I just let go, I would float into the fucking atmosphere and I'd be gone in the abyss. But it was like all about this determination to focus, form, to get, you know, to have fun with it. And it was a very like, influential dream for me this is the first and very rare uh flying dream i've ever had and so as you were just saying it was your you're a floater yeah i will like literally just start floating and if i don't correct my shit quickly like i would fall into the you know the black abyss or the you know was it the ninth sphere of the fucking of life you know what i mean yes yes. yeah the the mother's womb in a way you know (laughs) just just gone and i'm you know i'm i'm better with that now about just letting go um with it if it happens but there's it's i like the challenge a lot of the times it's just this awakening within the dream i sound so corny i say that but like it's this you know, it's it's lucid dreaming. So you, you you realize like this is all absurd and this is all under my control if I want it to be. Yeah. And then it's about honing how to get through it. But I've never, you know, manifested things within the dream. I've never like said, Okay, now I'm gonna go here. Now I'm gonna go there. It's always been like parlaying with the subconscious. Yeah. To get around. It's never been like and now, you know, insert you know riches or whatever it's never been like that that's like i'm working on that that's like the a big next step for me so the lucidity comes on and this just seems really common and we all think we want we all go in with like intention first of all intention i'm I'm gonna have a lucid dream i'm gonna wake up right and uh and I, i mean i constantly find that to be the truth for myself I, I get lucid and then I kind of, even though I'm, I'm awake and aware, I get caught up in, in like narrative and I, I end up going Me too. like, what am I doing here? What is this? <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I have, I've definitely got stolen some aspects here and there, but I, yeah, I'm working on it. I can't wait. And I heard, I can't remember who it was. It, 
but it's the architects of this. Th this was somebody else saying this. We've had on the architects of of lucid dreaming of the dream state itself that are actually running the bigger show because they get in and are able to do anything they want in that state. And then through that law of basically as above, so below, right? As within, sure. so without, they're creating real change in our perceived outer world and the outer world of those around them. So there's something to that, which I'm exploring. I love that. Yeah, and it almost gives an engineering quality, know. you know, to your subconscious. If you can reconstruct those whims and wants or whatever within the dream. If, I feel like that's the playing field right yeah it's like powering up in a video game really yeah i've heard that analogy used so much i wish i played video games more i know i know but you know you, you don't have to play them that much to right understand to understand analogy that, yeah. so okay so with that so you're about 22 when you started having the lucid dreams come on i think when i started understanding that you know, to use another video game analogy that I'm a single player in an open world kind of thing. But yeah. it was it was a sandbox thing. You know, it wasn't like I could create different scapes or anything. It was always that, uh, you know, uh, uh, somebody thrust into a situation and then kind of finding the story or the narrative of that situation. Where, so what was, where would, in here talking about lucidity what so all right we have an idea of what goes on for you and that the stories happen but what does it feel like look like you know give us that tactile stuff when you realize oh man i'm dreaming you know what what is it you know so, yeah i've always equated it to uh like walking down you know those like i, I hate to use the word horror because it's not a horror film but you see a lot of like a, a cliche in a horror film about you know the blinking fluorescent lights in a dark hallway right and it's like anytime a, a blinking fluorescent light 10 feet ahead of you can shift into different pathways and so it's to me it's always been like kind of learning the the curriculum or whatever of those blinking lights to know when to move forward it is like a fucking video game holy shit <laughs> it's just it really is <laughs> and maybe yeah yeah maybe that's you know that's the thing maybe that's why they're so powerful as a medium you know um because it, it's it's very similar in in that way but you know i also i don't know i love the to me it's the adventure of it i think like when i'm truly lucid dreaming it's that i don't want to construct things i want to react yeah i hear that a lot we yeah. jerry and i hear that a lot i you know one of the things that i always notice and still at this point is when i get to that state of i oh you know i'm lucid i'm awake here i'm dreaming and i'm awake is it's always like this pinpoint it's usually a lot of times i'm looking down or something i'm walking or yeah focus that's real clear and everything else is out of focus and then therein lies my personal problem and i've heard others say this and then others don't and this is why these discussions are important i think i at that point in trying to open that look that little pinpoint of focus 
and get clarity on everything. And in that same moment of realization that I'm dreaming, oftentimes just that bit is enough to pop me out of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's, I don't know. It's a It's like winning the game. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I've got But goal. not because you want to stay in. Yeah, it's like, right, <laughs> I think it's like right when you figure out the algorithm or the architecture or whatever, you know? Right. It, it stops being uh, a language between you and yourself in a way. You know? Have you been, have you ever been completely in an OBE experience? And this can include, you know, near death experiences too. Yes. Um, so I was electrocuted when I was nine years old. Um, I think alone. this is the first for an Oxman day. Yeah. Uh, nine years old. I don't know if it was necessarily a near death experience. All I know is that I lost time and I came to uh, like 20 minutes later. I remember the clock because I was watching it before my parents got home. I was in the attic and I was fucking with this like radio receiver kind of thing and i remember just complete bolted into me and then i remember like i'm talking in the visceral plane here i remember like waking up and freaking out that my parents were gonna find me dead <laughs> and i had lapsed 20 minutes so it knocked me out i don't know if it was an, an nde um but the closest I've ever come, I mean, not the closest I've ever come, that's a lie. I've uh, I've definitely had some self-induced, harm-induced um, bouts with that sort of stuff. But this is the one that was not, how do I put it? Not, it was when I was Not, not self-initiated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, exactly. I got and, you. And like, and like long-term, you know, if, if, if it was like drugs or something, not like this. It was totally my fault. It was a total mistake. This one. And did I did I miss because it kind of roboted? Did you have an experience though of consciousness outside of your physicality? So, yeah, I've I've questioned that a lot. I actually, um, I had so this recently. There's this uh, friend I have. She was on the show. Her name's Elizabeth Kenham. She's a uh, an oracle, quote unquote. But what she does is she does these guided um, tree of life meditations. And when I first met her, she was taking me through one, and I revisited the space that I was in when I was nine. It freaked the shit out of me. And it was, I think it was like the third sphere, Sephiroth or whatever, you know. And it was like the living, living things. And it was this constant growth of insect and vine and uh, flower and just flora and fauna consistently growing over each other and i remember that so distinctly that kind of sounds but, like dmt space yeah um you know and i've done dmt but i've never had something like that um but yeah i would equate it to from what i hear other people's things my dmt experiences were very uh, kind of not boring, but very like uh, you didn't smoke enough. Yeah, right. I wouldn't say. Well, I wouldn't say they were that trip. I'll put it that way. They were trip. They weren't that. You know, 
You didn't have elves going, look at that. Look at this. Uh, Jumping so, around your face. So there was the first time was, you know, one that I stood up and there was a sea of ghost heads that I was playing like whack-a-mole that were emitting sound. And they were singing for me and they were trying to tell me something, but I had to hit them in, in a certain way. Oh my God, I should play video games. I'm just now fucking <laughs> All signs say yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm not into them. It's like, no, I can get there, you know? But yeah. So yeah, there was just like this constant, this, this, this realm of just constant growth, greenery of like earth continually growing on, a, on itself. Uh, you know, vines, twigs, and, and sinew, and just, it's like that, you know, stop motion. Harry, Harry, how, Harry, how, 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 yeah, yeah, know what you're yeah. Talking about. a little bit, yeah, Jeez. and it was like, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah, Harry Housen, yeah, and uh, it, it, when I hit that in that meditation, it reminded me, like, that's, where I was when I got electric. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, and so that's what really got me into. I mean, very like, very bare bones. I'm not a Kabbalah guy at all. Um, you know, so don't take anything I say about what it is. But it, it's it's what really jump started. You know, my interest in it, and then I started reading about the Zimzu about the fraction ein sof which is like everything and for us to perceive anything you know the ein sof had to be contracted they call that the zim zoom so that we can fucking understand everything and then that's what got me deep into the states that i was reaching when i was doing my audio man and so it all kind of correlated you know so pause here and give us a little bit about the audio man see. Yeah, so ever since I was a kid, you know, I was, I was joking earlier about stealing records and tapes and stuff from the pawn shop. But because I had like my mom's double cassette ghetto blaster that I was able to record sounds and make songs without having an instrument. So I would record from the radio and I'd record these just mutant melodies just ridiculous sound concrete kind of kind of things and then i would sleep with them in my ear my little walk and i would hit these like dizzying state of like conversing with things talking with with dreams and i when i, I thought i was just a kid and it was weird you know <laughs> like it was like imaginary friends or something but it was like truly a sonically like induced coma you know, and as a musician, as I grew up and I got really into creating my own samples and using analog tape and cutting up tape and and spooling these like weird rhythms together, um, I started inducing trance like states with them and my guitar or and some drums. And so, yeah, it's it's all just very alike. You know, absolutely. And this is, 
I don't want to trail too far into this direction, but it's, of course, you know, this is an important factor in my life and definitely in the time art stuff I do with the music and where I, when I put hashtag trans, this is what I'm talking about because this is how I discovered it also early on with a dual tape. (laughs) It's hilarious. Ghetto blaster. Baby, you know, that's right. And I, (laughs) I, I always had such an intense relationship with sound and getting into a trance state that it, you know, it, it led me into very interesting circles of people and all that. And, and, and of course informed my art that I still do. So, but I find it plays hand in hand with stuff like dreamscape. Right. And and this talk of and bringing lucidity into waking life and questioning what's what, you know, are we dreaming now? Is that dreaming? Where do people go when they die? Where are we? Right. And all these kind of basic questions that I, I've had for a very long time. And uh, I find that the idea of trance, especially if you can do it for yourself, like all the music I put out, I do for myself. So I listen, I, I make sure I can get into the trance state Yeah. or I put it forward. And then if anyone else can get there, that's great. Uh, but I'm trying to cross those boundaries myself. So I'm experimenting. And that is where these lines start to get blurry. Where are we? What is this? How can I be awake, be awake, be awake? And I'm not talking about the woke community. Sure. Uh, So, yeah, I recognize that in you. And and I had just discovered that side of your music. I think I made some crazy comment on one of your videos. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, you'll have to check. You have like three different, you know, YouTube channels. I know. Oh, God, it's. Yeah, it's been in my existence. There was, but there's one song you put out that just took me there immediately. It really brought me into that space. And so this leads up to my next question. Uh, as someone that understands this idea of trance and self-induced trance, which I want to also tie into deep meditation, which as somebody who's also done a lot of psychedelics in the past, mm-hmm. ties into that state. So I see a similar thread personal yeah i think that i mean to me that was always the the thoroughfare you know between all of those things whether it's like you know the collective unconscious or uh you know bell's theorem and quantum physics or like you know austin osmond spares you know neither neither this like underworld of like all things all thoughts everything kind of existing and and hanging out together you know i think that's like i and i call that um when i do that the the joke is that i dim the zim zoom that i dim that crack mm-hmm. between those worlds you know but I'm, I'm still just you know i'm a foreign entity and a thing and i'm not here to say that that like i'm actually trans-dimensional wayfaring or whatever but my experience you never know yeah, exactly. My and I can only be anecdotal about it, right? Uh, but my experience is that yes, I have, and I've had, and I think I talked to Jerry 
um, about this on Cruising with Steak that I've I've gotten uh, validation. I've gotten verified to a lot of things that I've seen uh, in these states later. You know, mm-hmm. like these beasts or ideas or things that I communicate with or envision will come to me uh, in an old archaic you know book <laughs> that i'm dicking around with or whatever and just slap me in the face you know that oh so this this existed before i even knew about it you know yes. what i mean yes well i mean think about like the hungarian singers the women singers that are the women monks right mm-hmm. that that amazing uh they get together and they it's like chance and it's you know it's kind of a i guess maybe religious slanted but they harmonize and just listening to them puts the listener into a state of trance and i you know i think a lot what are those other monks the gregorian monks and all right. that kind of old school yeah all that old school stuff that that where they're manipulating vocal and vibration and sound and and then you start pairing that with things that happen in this in the dream experience so like say that heavy vibrational state when you're about ready to leave your body that can lead to or be part of paralysis but it can also be where you're shedding your you're getting ready to jump out too and this is a high vibrational trancey state and i can't help but connect these dots right and and like i said it's been happening a very long time with people i suspect it's been happening probably since you know before humans were human <laughs> you know yeah. when you just vocalizing because you see it in the animal kingdom too with uh certain animals they they hum and all this it's it's interesting so this said back into the modern dreamscape here where does so you're a practitioner of of certain magical ways sure yeah yeah i wouldn't classify them as traditions or anything yeah yeah and i think anyone that's paid attention to you knows knows all that but for those don't you're you're a free agent I'm a and free agent. Yeah. <laughs> you are a free thinker and definitely not herd mentality. And so however, you're one who gives reverence to magical states and and traditions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so and and then you you've created your own ways. So how do those ways inform all of this that taps into the ethers? into the dream realm into the other space well like i was saying earlier there's a lot of uh how would i say it future validation or future precognition validation. yeah there you go maybe yeah that's that's a better word for precognitive precognitive um retrocausal there you go retrocausal that's the word perfect yeah there's there's a lot of that when it comes to uh even different traditions that i kind of come to you know or be or or i don't want to say experiment because there's more reverence that i i trust and believe in the mythology of well most things if that makes sense and i think a lot of the times i will never 
consider myself to be the, you know, the progenitor, progenitor of, you know, certain ideas. To me, it's always like, okay, I'm pulling, even if it's not directly influenced, I, I'm sure I'll stumble onto it at some point. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember who <laughs> it was. I, I I mean, it could be a crazy mistake. It seems more like something I say in there, but I it's I find that we naturally, if we allow ourselves to be natural and just be, we find these states. It, it's like, I mean, it's like masturbation. You just usually you just discovered an accident. <laughs> you know and it's like oh what was that i want more of that and hey, thought to manifestation <laughs> right and so then you you figure out how you did it doing it however <laughs> what you know whatever if you're catholic you're guilty and uh, but anyways it's the same with this with meditation and stillness and all that although it can be you know life-changing events big ones get people into more of a sense of acute nowness which is lucidity right and and you know that's another vehicle to get focus to get to get now to get lucid yeah and uh but there's a praxis here and i'm wondering have you been able to tap into or tie into the two states though? So more specifically, while you've been dreaming, have you been able to meet up with others or hone into say a deja vu precognitive state or something that, and you've kind of given us a little bit of that, but I'm looking right. for specifics. So I've got a major one. Um, my uh, girlfriend, my you know partner in crime. Um, she, it's it's really funny actually how this started. Talk about synchro. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to simplify this equation here, but it was. Uh, so I was on the outs of a big relationship. It's been like a couple months, and I was like low self esteem like like an old bride in a you know big cathedral with no one there kind of thing. Mrs. Habersham. Like, like an old ghost just <laughs> wishing and washing great know? expectations exactly and uh uh I, I i had this i had learned about this uh get together with some ex coworkers and I, you know, it was one of those like I'm gonna force myself. Not dead yet. Stop acting. But it was, it was, and that that wasn't because of the past relationship. I was just very alone. You know what I mean? And so I texted my friend. That sounds so uh, modern when I say that, but yes, I texted my friend that you know I was, and he was an ex coworker at the, the, of this place which shall not be named. Um, and I told him, hey, I'm really thinking about going to this uh, this gathering. What do you think? Like, why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> I was like, honestly? Because I had a dream last night that Mary was single, and we both laughed, and it was funny. 
and I go to this Halloween party gathering, this whole place, and she shows up right. I'm about to leave, and and all hell breaks loose. Today. So she was indeed single. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Oh, and so that leads into where you. Well, no, at. no. I mean, like you know, it was it was more about like, hey, I want to know what Mary's up. And then you yeah, bump into her. Was... Now here. We are. Yeah. Now here we are. Yeah. That's amazing. I love. That. Yeah. That is a great example, and that's the kind of stuff I live seriously. Yeah. Not that I'm not. Not that I'm a romantic. Although there's in me still. <laughs> I think you are. I think you're essentially, you know, <laughs> there's a essentially romantic. Left. Yeah, I think it's good <laughs> to be. Yeah, no, I've never lost it. I love love, and uh, it's just funny. It it's you know you know it is a thing, the whole love thing. But, but the, I, yeah. this is a perfect example of how these things line up. And uh, did so in. In the interaction with Mary, did you did you find out what the line of events that led her to be there? And I mean, you guys just barely crossed paths too. You were leaving, and she was coming. Yeah, just barely. She wasn't going to come, but you know, just got a wild hair and showed up. And I literally spent I don't know twenty minutes with her talking about uh, paranormal stuff, nerding out about you know paranormal things and. We exchanged numbers because I only knew her in passing before. And we exchanged numbers. And I was watching Halloween at the uh, Clinton Street Theater uh, the next day. I think it was like. The night Is that before. across from Dots? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I love it over there. I yeah. So I was watching John <laughs> Carpenter's Halloween. And uh, I got a text from her when I was in the lobby. And it was like, hey, I got some more questions to ask about paranormal stuff you know like about old portland about old haunted portland like yeah let's do it what are you doing for halloween well whatever you're doing that's what i'm doing for halloween you know and then it just oh this is sexy yeah and then we we spent <laughs> we spent halloween night like dipping around lone for cemetery and uh yeah just super super magical but i had like you know, there was there was something inherent in me that even a joke kind of, uh, how do I say that, uh, manifest. You know what I mean? A joke about, you know, hey, maybe she's there. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, but just because you only the future, just because you were, you know, said it as a joke, that was not your intention. Right. Exactly. But it was one of those like amazing. Uh, instances when you know you're so flighty when there's like an ultimate truth behind what you say so you say it oh, oh, oh. you know and like it doesn't do anything to the intention the intention's coming out you know the Jerry that, that means... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it, yes and I you two look so great together I just you there's such a good energy with you that you know, it all it all feels right looking in on it at least. I appreciate that. Yeah, we've got a big awesome future. We're about to embark on this amazing journey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I couldn't be happier. Uh 
barring any other unforeseen circumstances that keep us from leaving Portland. Uh, yeah, I know Portland is not letting y'all go. Oh, get the hell out of there. I know. I think, and I was talking to Nish earlier about this. You know, I had to get seven, out, but I didn't move so far. Seven year itch, right? Like, it's seven years since I moved here this time. And, like, I really feel, I don't want to be paranoid and say, like, there's some psychic, uh, nefarious work afoot or anything, but oh, I do feel there that like, there's, yeah. But I do feel like uh, personally, there's things that I needed to, I don't know, in, internal or manifest. I don't know what I mean. You, I, I, don't I understand to, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, Your yeah. Your energy I, is needed there at the moment. I couldn't just run away. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's so astrologically, it's interesting, as we were talking about. It's a fourth of a cycle of Saturn, seven years. So it's also, you've got that kind of uh, pushing that, that's a, a, you know, it's a squared energy. And so that's pushing down. I <laughs> So I find that interesting because Saturn oftentimes does make things, can make things difficult. And in the moments that are difficult, we tend to either go deeper into sleep or we become more at the surface of awareness. Right. More in the now, more lucid. And so for those of us that choose to be aware and rise to the to the surface for this analogy we're using at the moment, to see what's going on through these hard crunches, there's more to gain. Yeah, I was going to say that there's a part of me that thrives I used to call myself a Dharma bum, you know? There's a part of me that thrives on chaos. Like, uh, I, I moved around so much. I, I, you know, I had no problem uprooting. I, like, really find my focus when everything's amiss. Of course, getting older, you're like, I don't fucking need this anymore. But to me, this was, like, a, a gentle reminder of, like, intrinsically who I am that, yeah, of course, there's shit's gonna go awry, but like this is where you find solace. So to speak. Absolutely, and it is in the end, it's all transient. This whole experience right. is is transient, and so it it's a good reminder to self, I think, to to keep that in that thought, you know, somehow close by. Yeah, it's empowering. That, yeah, it is grounded and solid. And when the things are going the best and you don't want change and all that, you want it to stay that way forever. Even in those times, it's really that this is transient as well. You know, cue right. the Garfield and Funkle song. Garfield and Funkle. <laughs> Simon Garfield and, Garfield. and Funkle. <laughs> Oh my god, that's terrible, Jerry. That's a new band. <laughs> Garfield and Funkle. On the whiteboard at work, we have a section that's dedicated for band names. <clears throat> Excuse me. There you go. I'll just put it on there. What was it called? Funkle and Ross. Garf. Garf. Was it Garfield and Funkle? Yes. Garfield and Funkle. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that made myself. Okay, so that. So here we are. This was a good example. And 
Deja. So do you have them, when you have them, how do you experience them? And are you able to pinpoint them? Yeah, so there's a couple different versions I think I have. Um, there's one I get a lot more. I'm very um, quick retrospectively of it. Like it lapses real quick. Um, but there's one that I'm like, as it's happening, I'll voice to whoever's around. Like, I remember this. I know what's going on. I know it's going to happen next. You're going to pick up that beer. You know, like there are a lot of those where like I can narrate because I'm like blinking between scenes in reality or something, you know, and not to say that, you know, I'm a such psychic or anything, no, nothing like that. But it's very much that maybe there's just this hyper awareness that I could I, I can kind of call the shots and those like I don't know how to pinpoint those those just happen yeah I, I find them I just love them. I, I push into them they're like a drug to me I always, yeah, I'm always yeah. chasing them and I want more there have been times recently where I had so I've had so many in a day that I thought the day was going to all of a sudden be I thought there was going to be some sort of like awake like yeah. honestly singularity i know right keats like honestly there are a couple days there and i i just need to back up i intermittent fast and i mostly drink okay and mm -hmm. have really a health and so this is just where i'm at in my life i have this terrible and not a key toddler but I just am health-wise where it's at. So in this process, uh, I am finding more synchronistic happening at a greater rate. And there are times when it feels like there's going to be something. And I don't know that. I mean, sometimes I ponder if that's like a a, a, a close call with, the great awakening, which I call death, because <laughs> it's definitely not the darkening. So, you know, I'm like, oh, is this the day I die? You know, is it right. this? And in, so on that note, and where I'm going with that, what are your thoughts on, on death and how that plays in and ties to the experience of living in life? I mean, it, to me, it's like, uh, what's that? hook saying to die would be a great adventure or whatever like oh, yes yes you know to me as a kid I've, i was always obsessed with it i mean uh obsessed is a bad word i did have an ex-girlfriend once tell me after we met after a couple of years of not being together first question she asked me is are you still obsessed with death which i thought was really funny <laughs> i never really considered that to be part and parcel to me but yeah, I've always just, it's, it's insane. It's the absolute, right? It's the great equalizer. Nobody fucking knows. Nobody. Nobody has any fucking clue, like any clue whatsoever. And to me, that's so wonderful that like everyone experiences it, yet no one can truly say, you know, what, what goes on afterwards. So yeah, it's, you know, to die would be a great adventure. Shortcut to glory. And you know that I love that. It, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glory. 
But I do love how Equalizer and, and how in the name of so many organized groups, aka religions, uh, there's so much conviction around what happens. It's just... It, it, and the, it's beautiful. Well, it co-ops the experience from it co-ops the idea and also the experience that they don't know. People selling it to you don't know. Right. And until you really truly go through it, and I mean go through it and not come back. So right. that we can you can then rule out when your brain is good and dead, 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 <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like a day or two. Uh that this is not a you know. React, chemical reaction, I just there. Yeah, it goes. It goes within like the idea of hauntings or paranormal activity. I think we're just like we're envisioning it wrong. Like I don't think it's consciousness that is arrested to this plane from you. You know what I mean? It. I think honestly, it could be echoes. They're ethereal echoes or reverberations, but. Anyway, what what I mean to say is that there's no, like, I honestly believe that's the great mystery, right? And I think it's almost like a treasure to everyone with a well-lived life. It's something that you work towards, and it's something that's gifted. Um, this is coming from someone that has had bouts with terrible self-harm stuff that had to kind of accrue these ideas you know over over a long while but i i honestly believe that i believe that it's it's a surprise you know <laughs> and it's probably not who knows i don't know to me it's it's just so fucking fascinating and it's almost intrinsically uh a, a pinpoint on why absolutes are bullshit totally oh man i'm you know this this right here sounds like us on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. But it's true. And I think once we allow the experience to open up on its own and to have a personal relationship with it uh, and our ideas of it and allow ourselves to grow with the idea of it, and you know, which means your ideas change as you pull in more data and allow yourself change and the transience of personal evolution through thought right. through experience uh it, it's all mysterious and beautiful i think i've been through many deaths you know oh, what i mean yes in one lifetime how many yeah. have you lived yeah maybe every day is a new death but i think death in itself as a generality is just such an encompassing uh brilliant scary to some exciting to others it's just it's like it has no form or reason it no one everyone has implanted their own ideas or have tried to corral ideas about it to everyone and the funny fucking thing is there's no evidence to support any of it i know well and then and then the great religions rise up around it what about right. space i'm kidding there you go yeah, <laughs> i think space is actually just dead souls and like a huge mat maybe i heard of, uh, a web of dead souls like yeah i heard jake stratton <laughs> kent once say the stars uh -huh. stars were spirits i dig that he's, yeah. he's oh my god fucking I love that. funny yeah, yeah. He I, is uh, good. 
I'm intimidated by him. I, I like him a lot. That's a that is such a great quote though. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was on Rune Soup. Oh, yeah. Man. I, I I'm friends with him on Facebook and I'm always we are too. like yeah, chuckling at his posts, mm-hmm. but he is he's next level. He's a great thinker. <laughs> Yeah, I bow down to the open mind. That's, you know, that's yeah. that's where I'm at. So so with all this, I'm going to pose a couple classic questions to you. And we've danced around it all night. We've been talking about these anyway. But is it possible that we are dead? Is it, I mean, is that really, is it possible? So I think about that all the time. Um, there's something I've been writing for the last 10 years that's about uh this character this uh what i put my music under is this character that i've had since i was 14 his name is dakota slim and i've been writing this book or graphic sometimes it's a graphic novel sometimes it's back to a book been with many artists like just it's my fucking like crucifix fucking piece of creative work right and it begins it's like loosely based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but it's all about late 1800s New Mexican territory, and it infuses a lot of stuff. So it really is just about this idea, this pilgrimage of death. And what comes at me every day with it is that I'm not entirely sure I'm alive. Like, I I honestly, I think sometimes when shit gets rough, I think that one mistake I did, like this is some weird, brutal loop, you know, um, some weird purgatory. Like, I think, but that's like the beauty of this reality is that it's hell, purgatory, heaven. It's, you know, it's, it's whatever. But I, I truly, I truly believe that um, we've all experienced death. Intrinsic. I use that word again. You know? Yeah, it's when, you know, in my whole life, this has been one of those great seven literary queries, and uh, you know, like, and informed me. Early. It started to. It's what interested me early on, and so and then I found its way into film and you know cinema, like the film Siesta, which is in my top ten. Great movie, yeah amazing 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 film that no one very few people have seen and it's just brilliant from every angle and uh it's and i saw it when it came out you know yeah you know i'm of that age so and i sat there in the theater after everyone had left just a, a gasp you know, going, this is, because I had already questioned this. There had been so many dramatic things in my life and times when I still can't figure out how I made made it out alive of, of many experiences. Me too, yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, you know what, I think a lot of people have at least one experience where they can go back and question, did I actually could have died there? You know, that could have been, you know, and I'm in this loop. And so, and Siesta really brings that up, and it, and you can pull up to Siesta the film mm-hmm. from almost any angle. You can pull up to it from a Catholic, and you know, like there's a lot of angles you can pull up to that. 
unfolding yeah. of that story of are we dead or not and but then there's this it's it's heady but for me i feel it in my body and i'm not sure if it's somehow like when like we're talking about masturbation earlier how we just discover it right what? we just discover it i wonder sometimes if we just discover death like it's there all along I would say, yeah, I would say rediscover, honestly. Right, right. Well, rediscover fits better. Yeah. Did you guys ever read um, The Road to Ishtalan by Castaneda? I, yeah. I haven't. I read the you know, teachings of Don Juan. So uh, he says I, in that book that death is always behind you, over your left shoulder, watch, you know, waiting. Sure, yeah. It's always there. If you're still enough, you can see. Yes. This is why I'm obsessed with, you know, I let all my animals die naturally and, right, you know, and I've, I've, I've opted to be around friends and people that have died. My ex-boyfriend worked for hospice and I got to be exposed that. Like, I put myself I'm around sorry to hear that. a lot of death. It, no, he worked for hospice. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I've been, yeah, I've been around lots and lots of, because I'm intrigued by that space that opens up. There is something that feels when death is in the room and it could be a projection, it could, but the fact that it's a projection when something's passing through, moving on is still a powerful moment to be in. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it says, like, I don't know, as ho-hum as, say, you know, the death card in tarot actually meaning pain. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? I think that's what it is. And we were talking about earlier about chaos. And I think those are the little deaths or, you know, in some cases, big death um, for us. But I think that major one, it's to your point about, you know, the um, siesta film about, you know, like not knowing. Uh, if you survived or whatever, I think that's all like uh, retrospective, right? We won't know until we know. If that makes and sense. then, and then it's the fact that the big question when we know do, is that when we, you know, this is it's just fodder. When we know, is it the fact that we have been all along that there really is no death? That right? That it's like in the video game again. You just up another level. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I i i you know i'm not uh nar as narcissistic as many believe i think to think that my consciousness or this identity lives on past i think that's the beauty of this somatic shared reality as i think we are gifted or we're you know uh you know raised in nurtured nature whatever these identities we have now interacting with each other or one-off that's it maybe there's something inherent in us or that carries a piece of that that moves forward but i truly believe that me as travis keats cross is it for now you know what i mean well the, you know i was thinking about this today i came in as i often do when i'm on the i think i have just this great and, and <laughs> no, yeah, it's for the best thing to Somebody happens on the toilet. And uh, so, oh man, it's funny. 
uh, it's so funny it knocked me off my thread. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, oh, man. When you're on the toilet. No, I know, but that's <laughs> standard. But every 15 minutes when I got to pee. Oh, uh, let's see. Talking about, like, combustible identity that, like, this identity yes. we have okay, now. So exactly. I was thinking about the idea of identity today. And the, I came in, and then anyone that listens to me knows this. I came in knowing, you know, I was under six months when I had the, my first memory. And that's definitive with my mother because we moved at, when I was six months. So it would put me in this particular room in that cradle and the stuff I described to her. So we don't know when along that scale of six months, but six months and earlier. And I came in going, it was like sleep paralysis. I couldn't move my body. And I was, I felt like me, like me inside the shell that you know, and the niche, like identity that you know, according to the shell. But sure. it, it was me in a bigger sense, a capital B. So I didn't have like an identity. I don't know where I came from. I just know I woke up in this shell as a baby. Is I woke up in a baby's body, and when I figured out, it, I thought it was sleep paralysis somewhere. Yeah. And so I had a sense of identity, but this is the first thing I have to say. It wasn't an identity with Nish. It was just it was a it was just me, and and not in an ego sense. Not in a you know I've got this color hair. I've got this you know. I own this and I've done that. Right. The and, infallible you. Right. And so I ponder that idea with identity a lot because as we move through, you know, we have, I, you know, everyone attaches themselves to their trauma, to their stories. And when I was thinking back to that memory and memory is very fallible as we know. Uh, in, in fact, it's not even reliable at all. It, especially neuroscientists. Yes, neuroscientists will tell you this like straight up. And uh but that I that was saying, Oh man, you know, what am I I can't move, I'm stuck, and then realizing I'm in a body, when I try to hone in on that moment, I can't get images of what I thought I was, you know, where so I'm I'm waking up. did I think I was going to wake up as, you know what I'm saying? Where did I think I was? Where did I think I was going to wake up? Who did I think I was hmm. or am? And so that has me on like a little mind bender right now. Right. That's like, you're like rebuilding yourself in real time. <laughs> but I'm like, but I'm still that little baby. Like, Oh, it's yeah. more of a reboot. There you go. Same character. Yeah. Respawning. There you go. It's almost like, yeah, but, they don't know they're that character yet, just yet, you know. <laughs> Learn your dharma. Well, yeah, had I known, yeah. I was getting ready for the hard road, Betty Davis said. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like whatever happened to Baby head. Jane all day, every day. Oh my God! Just you know, on her gravesite, it says uh, she has her quote in uh, Betty Davis always did it hard way. You know, I just love that. She's the uh, best. Yeah. Oh. Oh God, yeah. So, but it's just the idea of we we come in kind of fresh and wiped, 
even if we have a memory of or an idea of self that's without all the baggage and then we just start accumulating it's like hoarding sure. it's, it's like it's like almost like like a surface level hoarding of identity towards things this is my couch isn't it fantastic victorian this maker you know look at the patina all that's those are stories for me and uh you know or i know this person i've done this and that and all this junk that gets uh, that becomes our patina in a bad way because it, it it's encrusting us spiritually right. in some ways encrusting us spiritually and ultimately though that egg that we create the hard shell that we create around this whole idea of identity and self becomes that which we hatch out of yeah yeah absolutely i was just thinking you got my brain jogging to circle back earlier when you made a comment about i've got you know a lot of youtube uh, channels and that just made me remember that like i've got a lot of different characters or beings or like projects i put under different things and i think they're like small uh experiments in death and rebirth that makes sense yes yeah so like uh, like i never think of making an album without some overarching concept but also like coming at it in a kind of uh, folkloric way or something and that would me that's like these little that's the microcosm right of of experiencing death and hardship or channeling through that as the macro kind of comes through you know i don't know it just got me into this weird uh hyperspace of what it means to be so drawn to creating different visage you can punch me in the face for saying that word but yeah well there's a great oh no i actually love that word Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i personally love it but so if we tie this back into into the idea of dreaming and where we are everything we've been kind of contemplating about how significant is the process of dreaming you know in this experience of of the life that we're experiencing it's a Does third it, of it you know it's extremely see, important it, so it's important to you yeah absolutely absolutely i uh i get caught up just like anybody else and you know forget to meditate on things but i've always been a heavy dreamer it's always been you know my morning discussion to whoever will hear me you know as absurd as some of them might be it's it's absolutely important i mean to me as like a a pragmatic person i just like it, it to me it's like where the subconscious lives as i'm lying there dead i'm somewhere else and doing things so i damn well better listen mm -hmm. do you so in the parsing out of your daily dreams if and it's great. I'm one of those people who likes to get up and talk about my dreams too. I always have. Thankfully, the people around me in my life growing up really promoted that. Yeah. Uh, 
do they inform do you wake up with it so if you have a dream and it's you've woken up you've risen right you have risen in a mood so a dream is powerful it's got a heavy emotional context to it or feeling how does that inform the rest of your day oh in- intensely intensely i'll have one linger on me to the next day sometimes it'll reoccur and my weekend's blown <laughs> like i it absolutely affects every fiber of my waking life if it's a very uh heavy that's too light of a word heavy uh dream you know and so when and and so that also gets into the idea that you do have uh a component of feeling within your dream some people don't it's like almost detached yeah i've noticed that it's like watching a movie for some folks right Um, yeah i guess then i guess that's where the parallel of video games makes more sense to me even though i'm 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 a big movie fan but at the same time why i love movies is that and part my identity as i'm watching it you know the suspension of disbelief or whatever with it but yeah i don't understand that i've never had a dream where i wasn't the one battling through the narrows you know but that's how my dreams are oh really yeah yeah i've never had that i've always been maybe it's like selfish or conceited of my subconscious to think that i need to be a part of it all you know (laughs) it could be something completely different too right right i I poke fun i have bizarre dreams about doing like missions (laughs) right but it's you doing the mission right i'm in it but it's like watching a movie of me oh okay yeah 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 jerry do you think it's the basis programming i i don't know i don't know i've always had them and I don't know what it is. Could just be my imagination. Oh shit! Jerry's a Manchurian candidate. No, <laughs> wait, no wait, I wouldn't say that. It's possible. I, I have ideas. Doing which missions, are, like you know, <clears throat> I have ideas which are you know unconventional. I would say, but I, I, they're just dreams. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I've never um, had a lucid dream or anything like that. Yeah, they're intense. You know, there's a lot of times I wish. That my dreams weren't and i do have a lot of kind of i'm meandering or i'm you know on a roller coaster underwater but it means nothing it's you know what i mean like it's not i do have a lot of dreams where it's just more about i'm dicking around in my altar life <laughs> yeah exactly like, yeah yeah i fell asleep and i caught myself you know shooting the shit with my dream friends kind of thing you know I, I forget who it was that we had on, but or it might have been us that we came up with it. Either way, the, the idea that, uh, you know, you're living parallel lives right now. Yeah. And, and the dream space is a nexus to all of them. So maybe when you're dreaming, you are filling in another life somewhere else. Yeah, I think, you know, and I've, I've worked with that idea and this uh, idea that there's like this, avatar of you that you know battles against all of the shit in your subconscious and when you're asleep you know you get the the window to that and then when you're awake he's still battling in the background and you kind of get caught up as you guys switch around uh it could be also like some kind of karma karma resolution i like that idea a lot i 
need to look into that more but i heard that recently i forget from who that was you know you there's this function like your subconscious as an entity that is this is working through shit mm-hmm. while you're sleeping like literally that's why he's term battling you know right and, and in a way it turns out to be similar to an alchemical process you're distilling down the best parts of you through experiencing those or exactly yeah. yeah i wonder if you can hone that alchemist you know if i wonder if like you can on this visceral plane you know we we act so much about you know study and practice and i wonder if there's a way uh for your you know your non choose yeah your path exactly yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah, Maybe, there's yeah. that scene. Lucidity is going to be the first step for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's really helped me with my back. I'll tell you that much. Mm. What's one of the things where uh, people in, people that are having a bad experience in their current reality, like people in prison and just bad experiences, it's been that that find escape through dreaming the portal right. of dreaming and and in that they find you know they they find they discover how to get lucid and we naturally will do it like we've been discussing if we allow ourselves the space to do it and and then get obe and of course i just think that's a, a old talk for the highest state of lucidity when you're just out of body completely i think that's like you're fully awake I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with like all of this terminology, all of this language, all of this lexicon, whether here or there. It's like we're all talking about the same fucking thing. I know it's, it's a, it is so annoying. It is so, there was a point in my life when I was so deep into psychological jargon that I couldn't speak to anyone unless it was anyone in that field, you know, and. uh I ended up alienating everyone and it was, it did no service. It was, it was terrible. And I I see how it happened because I got kind of, I was young and I got co-opted into all that and it was great. It was fantastic, but I'm also trying to bring that forward here and in my daily life anyway, into these conversations, because these are universal experiences. And in the end, we're all having them. And so to, that elitist aspect that's making things more complicated. And this is where like legal jargon gets in all of the fuckery that we see in language is uh, part of the trap. And so back to the dreaming, we all do it. We all have access to it. So let's just talk on a level we can, under, you know, that everyone is it's inclusive. We can all, relate to and so parsing out these ideas of oh well that's obe and then that's lucid and let's get the let's just try and find a common ground here and you know ironically it was gordon white who said that his idea of it's a sliding scale it's all lucid lucidity it's the scale of it and i've i've always loved that i've been holding on to that yeah and i agree with that 
Yeah. I mean, and just like anything, you know, it's a gradient. And it, it's a gradient, but I think we should try and let this is part of what's breaking down in society is we're not understanding each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're like the language is getting thicker. It's like a thicker fog of language. And and you know, I'm listening to people and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm sure people look at me and think that because we're 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 finding ourselves in these weird band camps. You know, we're that's so funny you said that word because I was gonna, if you would mind, talk about it in an artistic term in a way. Because I feel that when especially like say you or I, when we deal with metaphysical things and incorporating it into art or creating art or enhancing art or inspiring art that it's easy to get lost in kind of the tundra of, uh, you know, psychedelic, quote unquote, or, you know, abstract idea. But I feel like with your music and mine too, like the way that we discern the language, the way that we convey those ideas is through almost, I don't want to say a prototypical song structure, but there is melody, there is there is there is beat there is rhyme there is you know what i mean mhm and i feel like that's a lot of why uh art is truly just kind of the most uh intentional idea to kind of get around all that linguistic stuff is you know through those avenues of conventional i'd hate to say the term but you know what i mean like uh yes. song structure yes right? Well, look at how many people, it's like this good and the bad with it. How many people were told that you're gifted towards being an artist or you're not, right? And I grew up with that, like that you were gifted to be an artist or not. And I am the first person to say, we definitely all need to get creative. Yes. Yes. Some people do have a leaning, you know, in certain directions that gives them an edge as far as you know, man, that person can just naturally paint realistic if that's what you're into. Or right, you right. Know, look at that pitch perfect always. Just naturally, they didn't take a voice lesson. Uh, but if if we strip ourselves of that and just allow yourself to get funky with yourself, right? <laughs> just get creative and then work from there. It's just accepting yourself as you are. And this is completely relevant to this conversation because it's the idea of yes you all dream we're all dreaming we may not remember it all dreaming then from there yes we all get it's very good he's not remembered and and then from there you know we just keep ascending into a deeper layer of of understanding and as we come into this deeper layer of understanding ourselves and then getting onto a common ground of language we might get somewhere right yeah i think you know to me that i hate to like use the term but to me that that's what pragmatic means it's literally creation it's you know literally art that to me is the most sincerest form of you know, uh, affecting true will or affecting the material world with your true will or whatever kind of pompous idea of magic there is, you know? Because it's like when it comes down to it, uh, 
if we all just expressed ourselves more, I think we'd be in better hands. And looking back at this from the future, the apparent future, will this be any different? It, will this be a memory? Will it be a memory of a dream? Will this be a dream we had? We're all having people on the chat, people listening. What, what will this be in retrospect? Well, I can tell you, I can paint a picture for you right now, what, what this will be for me. They're like, you know, because memories to me are like shards, right, of glass that kind of poke at you every time, every now and again, like jump cuts, you know, to use film terms between like, you know, these passing ideas. And to me, it's sitting on a bed right now with a fucking busted up back a microphone in my hand, my dog right next to me, and this beautiful lamp in the corner of this naked room. And I couldn't ask for a better, like, uh, artistic display of what this conversation is. I love that. <laughs> you painted it. Being broken? So... <laughs> I didn't see that at all. Okay. Uh, Jerry, see, there is the greatest example. Jerry says, empty and broken. <laughs> I was being sarcastic. <laughs> that is the beauty of how, no, Jerry, but it illustrates everything, our perspective, and is what David likes the perception. Uh, and so this is also like when you're dreaming, encounter others in the that are clearly not you. How does that play out for you? Do you are you aware that there are others there that are pushing driving their own oh that's a good point um to be quite honest uh i think i just assume that that's the case in all my dreams because the the people or the entities i interact with in dreaming like in just straight dreaming are very um amal amalgamistic or you know what i mean of like different ideas of they're not necessarily, this is Bob, and that's, you know, that's Jerry. It's like, this is, this is kind of a Bob-Jerry situation <laughs> I've got, and it's this new kind of form for a, a person. So I just automatically assume that it, it, uh, it's something else wearing masks, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it's like this. Like, it's one of those things where I, I have been, why I used that example earlier about looking back at this. It's one of my current uh, exercises I'm doing in trying to get the lucidity of the moment. And, and so by saying, looking back and placing myself somehow in the future, but through now, so I'm not, I'm not actually dreaming forward and escaping whatever now is, I am placing myself almost in an omniscient stance where I'm looking above at the scene and at my role in the scene to kind of get a geography and a, a geographical setting, uh, also like a, a grid, really, of where I could be. And then, this, of course, this plays into the whole magical thing, too. But when things like your experience with meeting Mary, that was very magical on all counts, synchronistic universe, 
working, you know, cooking with gas, that you, you look back, even your telling of that story is everything is just stories around us, mm-hmm. makes that particular experience stand out. And so, and then that, and the thing about that story and that example is how misty it is because dream quality that's really there. And then there's the reality aspect of it that was really there. And now it's all in the past, which is in the realm of the ethers and dream and memory and not tangible any longer, but it's shiny and it's beautiful and it's something that sticks out from the muck of everything else and so the omniscient view again this is a point in time and it sounds like a checkpoint in time and so i wonder through the whole like dream yoga thing where you start placing uh the imagery onto stuff and you know you and what's you call active imagination Mm -hmm. uh where we start overlaying the images onto random, maybe not even random, but mundane thing, like a walk in the park and you start overlaying a dream here and overlaying a dream there. I started to overlay memories and dreams onto things because what's the difference? And I'm starting to see a weird awakening within my, I hate to use this word, psychic abilities but all of a sudden i'm getting a lot of feedback i'm saying stuff that some people are thinking like today talking to suzanne i i literally said this happens a lot for me but i literally said something she was just thinking is going to type out and and you know that's just a stupid experience but it's because i think i'm attributing this because i'm not separating dream and reality anymore I'm still functioning and I still right. realize if I fall off a cliff, <laughs> no, I'm going to get hurt. But I'm wondering if we start applying these principles. I think it's, I think it's the cosmic rays. Is it Jerry? That's that are coming at us. I think so. The, I the think fantastic so. three. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't really matter what I think because it's what I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's totally valid. Because I'm experiencing it as well. Yeah, a lot of us are. See, this is the thing that we're collectively a lot of coming. But I'm wondering, coming to what from where? So it reminds me of this. uh, Here's another kind of uh, uh, analogy, an analog analogy, even of, of film, right? So, like in a projector, you know, when you get caught between two scenes. And they're blinking right on top of each other. And it's like this most insane, like unrealistic uh, depiction. And it only lasts for so long until the bulb burns the film. And that kind of reminds me of that. It's like having this, this awareness for only such a short time before it just burns through. That is, that's a good image, and it's definitely one I can relate to uh, immediately. I mean, I got, you know, like being in theaters, old school theaters, when that did happen. <laughs> yeah, and it's almost, it's the, always the coolest, like, superimposed flicker. <laughs> I know. Caught, and that's how I, see, I, that's how I literally think of 
these trans states or you know whatever not so much dreams but more of the waking ones or the you know the, the quote unquote trans uh, dimensional wayfaring <laughs> whatever but uh with that guys i love you i have got to go yeah sure. i was we were just it's been two hours you guys are incredible i really appreciate you. oh thanks so much for coming on the pinch do you want to plug anything talk about your group uh sure so and i've got um, links for everything already in the description. awesome i just want to say i'm really really excited for the next uh Nox Mente with Eric Millar, who did the Disruption Generator. He's a great friend. You guys are going to fucking love him. I talk to him every day about a lot of this stuff. And so I'm really happy to, to witness that union happen. Not to, like, you know, pump it up too much. It's two ways. It's in three weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, um, I'm, we're super excited. Yeah. Um, but, I'll, yeah, I do a podcast. It's kind of just, you know, it's my education uh, called Prag Magic pragmagic.com i run a art collective called we the hallowed at we the hallowed.org and i put out music under dakota slim and that's dakota slim.net and i think i took all of the dots there cool.org.net.com i don't have thank you for getting weird with us keats yeah it was awesome it was absolute (laughs) pleasure and i I honestly it really made my night i really appreciated that we hope you get better soon Thank you. And I'll see Big you love. from Denver. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sunday Safe journey to you and Mary. Sunday's All right, guys. Sweet. All right. Dude, uh, have care. safe trans-dimensional wayfaring. All right. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, next week, we have Rachel Pollack, author Rachel, Rachel Pollack, which I know Nish is all very excited Super about. Very excited about it. Changed my life, Sarah. All right. So, everyone, have a good night. We'll see you next week.